Do you love this time of year? You know, the hot weather's over, it kind of cools off, and then football starts, and then you come to church and you smell chicken. I and mean, this is a great day. Here's, here's Dave Marty. He's got some. I better sample it, right? Excellent. All right. Excellent. Good stuff. Dave Marty's part of our leadership board, and uh, he says everything went smooth. It's good. It's good. Yeah, it's good stuff. So uh, we'll be, and, and for you guys, just know we're going to start serving af- right after the third service begins. Uh, so just know that. So there, and, and what's the rule about the line? Yeah, don't line up. Before the service begins or you will be shot. That's the way we do it around here. So, uh, so that, that's the rule. All right, we've been in a series called All In, so we can go all out. And we started that two weeks ago when we talked about, hey, if you're a believer, a true believer, that means you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. It means that not only do you understand uh, the good news that Christ has died for us, but you have embraced it. You have trusted in Jesus and that you want to love God back. And you do that by trying to follow him. And that's what we talked about two weeks ago. Then last week we talked about true disciples, true followers of Jesus. We recognize that God owns everything we have. And that we want to honor God by giving him back a portion of what we have. And today is a special Sunday in the history of our church because we are celebrating our 80th anniversary as a church. Isn't that cool? 80 years as a church. And so we are very excited about that. Our church started in 1939. But before we, we do that, I, I just want to say that um, we've been able to accomplish so much. And we are so grateful to God and what he's done. And it's just been an amazing ride, but it really all starts and ends with the gospel. And and that's the good news of what Christ has done for us. And and so as I I go through kind of what God has done in our history, I also want to pair that up with thanking you for being faithful when it comes to the gospel, or many of you, or most of you, Because not everybody here is a believer, but thank you for those who have been faithful with the gospel. And I want to use a text as we outline through this, and that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm going to begin in verse 1. And here's Paul is writing a a church in Corinth. Here's what he says. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, and by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And I'll just pause there. When he says believed in vain, he's talking about people who believe that it's true, the gospel, what Jesus did, believed the resurrection, but did not then embrace Christ, want to love God and follow him. They just intellectually got it, and, but didn't really have any intention of, of giving over to God any control of their life. Verse 3, it continues. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, 
that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time most of whom remain until now but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James then to all the apostles and last of all as to one untimely born he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me, whether then it was I or they, so that so we preach, and so you believed. So here we have Paul writing... 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is probably the earliest New Testament book we have. So the first book written for the New Testament is 1 Corinthians, where Paul's writing these, these believers. And here in this, we have a summary of the gospel. And that's what I want to focus in on today, this, this summary of the gospel. And we prioritize the gospel, by he's saying, by receiving it by standing in it, and by making it of first importance. And that's what I want to thank so many of you for. First of all, I want to thank you for being faithful in receiving the gospel. Did you catch the end, how he wrapped it up? He said, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. 1 Corinthians, earliest book, and it contains the earliest recorded summary of the gospel. And here's why this is so important. A lot of times we talk to people who are skeptics. I talk to people who are skeptics. They don't believe uh, in Christianity, don't believe in Jesus. But a lot of times what I find is the skeptics of Christianity don't really understand what Christianity means. So what's very helpful is for us to say, well, when you say you don't believe in Christianity, what is Christianity? Because a lot of times they're skeptical of something they don't even understand. They don't know what they're skeptical of. And so it's important to hear them verbalize what they think Christianity means, true biblical Christianity. Because a lot of times you can say, well, that's not biblical Christianity. That's not what the Bible teaches. Well, you know, the Bible, it was written and, you know, uh, basically it's just an, a rule book on all the things you have to be that you have to do so that you're okay with God. That's the opposite of what the Bible's all about. So sometimes just knowing what they understand Christianity is helps us talk to a skeptic So to make sure, hey, you're, you're misunderstanding the central message of Christianity. You still might be skeptical, but at least know what you're skeptical of. And, and then we can share that. So, uh, so it's good to ask, what do you think Christianity is? Is And that's why 1 Corinthians uh, 15 is so important because we have this snapshot, we have this summary of the gospel that goes back to about 20 years after the resurrection in, in the first century in the 50s. So 20 years after Christ was resurrected, we have this summary of what the gospel is. It's the irreducible core, which is the news of the essence of Christianity. And here Paul kind of describes it in four parts. And we'll try to hit that briefly. And it's in th verses 3 and 4. For I delivered to you 
as of first importance what I also received. That, and so he's saying, hey, I got it, and now I'm passing it on. And by the way, that's what we're all supposed to be doing as believers. And then he says, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So the four parts. He starts with Christ. He starts with Jesus. You can almost stop right there, right? It's all about Jesus. He starts with Jesus. He says, hey, this is the basic of the gospel. And and here's another thing. When we read, like in this text, we're reading the word gospel. The word gospel, we always say, means good news, but it's actually a little more specific than that in the first century. The New Testament Christians, the first Christians, they picked this word gospel that they included in their writings, like in this passage. And it not only meant good news, a little more specifically it meant joyous news of huge impact for the people who were hearing. This word was kind of reserved for big, big news originally. Like uh, if, if you were in, in a kingdom and all the armies rode out to, to, to battle with a threatening kingdom that was coming in to overtake you where you're going to all be enslaved and, and the king goes out with his army and then you receive news back, joyous news, victory on the battlefield. Joyous news of huge importance. That's what they meant when they said the gospel. And so that's a little more specific than just good news. Joyful news. And really that joyful news, the gospel, is the difference between every other religion and truly following Christ. True biblical Christianity. And here's why. Because every other religion has a teacher and they teach about what we can do in order to be more okay with God. And sometimes you don't know that, but you try. But it's all the rules, all the stuff you need to do to be okay with God. Where really the news, the gospel is the news that God came to us and he did something to make us right with God. We don't do it. He did it for us. That's why the core of the message of Christianity It's not a creed, it's actually news of an event that happened at a place and time in history. That's what Christianity is, an account of what God has done. In that through Christ, the Son of God living a righteous life and then voluntarily giving up his life, dying for us, that he made a way, he did something for us to reconcile us with God and it's through belief or faith and not just believing intellectually that something happened but belief as in trusting and following and loving God back that that's how we become believers it's just responding to that message and then uh, and what what if we don't do that well if we don't do that then we are estranged from God why because we have not been forgiven of our sins well what about sin well sin is things that we do wrong. Well, why would God, you know, how, you, yeah, and we'll talk more about this, but people say, well, how can God send somebody to hell for doing it? Do we not want a God who is angry with injustice? Do we not want a God? Wouldn't we want God to be somebody who wasn't okay with sin, injustice, and wrong? Okay, well, yeah, that's what we want God to be. Well, that's exactly who God happens to be. But there's a downside of that, and that is, That sin has to be paid for. But 
Let me get back. So it starts with Jesus, and then the second irreducible part of the gospel is that the gospel is sin substitution. The gospel is substitution. Christ died for our sins. And the word for in the original language is a little narrower, just like gospel the way we think of it, is a little narrower in Greek than it is in English. In English, for means a whole bunch of stuff. For example, it could mean because of. I did this for because of that. In, in Greek, it's more defined. It does not mean because of, but it does mean on behalf of or in place of. This is all about substitution that Jesus died in our place. He took the place we should have had, being punished by God, cast out from God, and then we get to take the place that he has at the table with God, invited in with God. And so it's all about substitution. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He, meaning God, made him, meaning Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, Jesus. And so the gospel is substitution. substitution. And really, if you think about it, substitution's bigger than we think. Because when we sin, it's kind of like a sin of substitution. Us sinning is basically us substituting ourselves for God. In that, we're saying, I'm the God of my life. I'm going to call the shots with what I want to do. I'm going to live for myself. I'm going to do. I'm it's putting ourselves in the place of God. Substituting ourselves for God. And then forgiveness is all about Jesus substituting himself for us. He dies the death that we deserve. He pays the price that we should pay for our rebellion and sin. Our injustice toward God he pay, and everybody else. He pays the price for us. And so he gets what we deserved and we get what he deserves. That's substitution. And then the third part is the resurrection. Was buried and, and rose again. The resurrection, it's key to the gospel. Ancient writers didn't have footnotes. You know, if we want to write a technical paper or we want somebody to, to follow up with more information or to prove it, we'll put in a footnote. Then you go to the end of the page or end of the chapter and you read more detail and that might even refer you to something else. They didn't have that in the New Testament. The New Testament, instead, what they did is they would list out eyewitnesses. That was their footnote. That was their saying, hey, and if you want to follow up on this, if you want more information about this, then talk to these guys because they were there. And that's exactly what Paul does. He lists out eyewitnesses who are still alive at the time that when these guys received this letter to say, hey, you can check this out. Here's what happened. Here's who saw it. Here's some of them listed by name. Go check it out. They can uh, stand for what I'm saying. And then the fourth part is just trans transforming grace. We've been talking a lot about, you know, our whole thing. Discover truth. Decide on Jesus. Demonstrate change. Deploy for others. These are the last two. Transforming change. That's demonstrate change. That's deploying for others. That's this whole concept that if we truly become a believer, if we truly become a believer, not just believe that Jesus exists and he dies for us, not even believe in the resurrection. That's not enough to be a believer. The demons, James says, demons believe that and they're alienated from God. No, it's that we believe that 
We embrace it. We love God back. And when that happens, God will come into our life and he will change our lives from the inside out. We will be different people. That's what we've been talking about the last two weeks. Now, after noting the eyewitnesses, Paul then throws in his own testimony. How he has been dramatically transformed, changed by the gospel. Verse 8. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally or untimely born. For I am the least of the apostles, do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I work harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. What's his testimony? Grace, grace, grace is what he said. Can you relate to that? Hey, everything good in my life is by the grace of God. Everything good in my life, anything good is because God has given that to me. Anything bad is because I messed it up. Anything good is by the grace of God. That's what he's saying. That's how all true believers should understand. It's, the same, it's that same grace Paul experienced, the same grace that he wrote about, the same grace that our church is named after for 80 years. That kind of a grace. All in, all out is about the fact that we receive the truth of the gospel, we discover it, we decide on Jesus Not just we know that it's true, we decide on Jesus, we follow him, we love him back, and then that allows us to change. He comes in through the Spirit, he changes our lives. It happened to Paul, it happens to us, you and me today, and and it happens through the vehicle of this news of what Christ has done. So, I'm thankful to all of you who have been faithful to embrace the gospel, those of you who have. That uh, thankful to you uh, that you've received the gospel. And then not only that, number two, I'm faithful to all of you who stand in the gospel. And part of that is being willing to deliver it to others. That you stand in the gospel is how Paul said it. God has grown Grace Community Church... Over the 80 years to to what we have today. Why? Because our church has been faithful to the gospel. To not only stand in the gospel, but to deliver it to others. Now, for 80 years this has happened. It started, our church started in 1939. And here's what happened. Some people were in another church in our town. And some things happened in the, uh, the... denomination or the fellowship of that church where there was a movement away from the truth of scripture we, we call it inerrancy they were moving away from that and so then without that doctrine then it was more like well not all of the bible is binding on us and we can sort of pick and choose what we you know it's the whole it was a result of the whole liberal movement that came in and affected many churches and when this group of believers saw that they say no we got to stick with the bible bible's first they had a motto the Bible, you know, nothing but the Bible. And uh, they left the church and started a new church. There was just a handful of people in 1939. As a matter of fact, we, and, and here's, uh, did, are we showing that the, um, the graphic that we have? Did, was that already up there? Um, 
You know, here's a list of our church leaders uh, since it started. It started in 39, at the very end of 39, so first pastor was in 40. But, uh, but, and then we have all these numbers that we could spend a lot of time talking about. We're not really going to do that. And, and to some people, that's just numbers. They don't, they don't mean a lot. But actually, we should celebrate numbers because each number represents a life changed for God. So we didn't have... Um, a lot of the records before on people who indicated decisions for Christ. They just didn't keep those records for a while. But since 02, since we met, started meeting in this auditorium just as a snapshot, over 3,400 people have told us that they've received Christ. So that's huge, right? Huge. Yeah. And then we have baptismal records that go further back than that of 20, over 2,400 people following the Lord and believers' baptism. So this, is, this just gives you a snapshot of kind of what's happening. Yeah, you can clap for that too. And some of you need to do that. And we're going to give you an opportunity for that coming up. So yeah. And so a new a group of believers start a new church. And we actually have one person in our congregation who was here 80 years ago. And that's Doris Wallace. She was sitting in... First church, uh, first service, so she's already been in the service. But if you see somebody escorted by a chicken today, she gets first in line. That's Doris Wiles. So we'll point her out to you. Uh, great lady, and she's been here a long time. Yeah, so that's Doris. We also have a lady in our church, Doris Real, who's been here almost that long, but only, only Doris Wiles goes back to that first day. So it, after that, we started. We started in a rented building. Over on the prairie, the other side, for the people in Fremont Prairie, the other side of the quarry on Stone Street on a road called Garrison, um, just a, a rented building. It was a, it was a Presbyterian church, and we rented that from them and had our first uh, meetings that weren't in homes there. And then in 1943, we purchased land on Collingwood in this neighborhood over here and built like a basement structure as a first step. And then we we're going to do it. It was going to be then have a regular structure on top, but the war hit World War II, and so uh, stuff became rationed. That became difficult to do, so they just stopped there. And then in a few more years, in 1949, they finished that top part of that, and so you can still see this building just a few blocks away on Collingwood, and uh, they finished that up. And then Pastor Tressler uh, was part of that church. He was there. Uh, not when they started, but while they're in that building. And, and Pastor Tressler's kind of in the middle here, shaking hands, double handshake there. And so Pastor Tressler was here when I came. He was a senior pastor back then. He was the senior pastor when they bought the property here. And they actually built the original structure, which we'll get to in a minute. But uh, so he did all that. And then he left right after we got that original structure built. And then he came back a few years later as an associate pastor he was here when I came, and just a great guy. And he actually served our church until 2011, until he died. He was 94. He was still part-time on our staff as associate pastor. So, so great guy. And, and things have changed a lot. You know, I'm not 100% sure, but you see the wild-looking guy on the left? I think that's Larry Bilbrey, who's on our leadership board now, which is a little, little frightening, I know. But... Uh, but yeah, faithful for a long time. So that, that was us, that where we traced back to. And then uh, we started, we actually in the 1950s started a, a, another church across town called the Chapel. 
That's now the Grace Brethren Chapel. They used to be over by the high school, and now they've moved out to 590. Uh, We're not connected with them organizationally anymore, but that church was launched back originally by our church. In 1977, we purchased land here on Smith Road, and then we uh, built the auditorium that you see today. And so purchased land, built, and then in uh, 11 years later, notice the back. There's kind of a wraparound three sides. Well, 11 years later, we extended the back, and that's where we made our old gym. Uh, That was a two-story level gym. But now, i got to tell you how we used to do things. So in order to do that, this is our old building from the back looking toward Smith Road. And there was a modular unit back there to hold some of the people. And so that needed to be moved before we started construction. So this is the way we did things. Hey, guys, we need to move the modular building. And then guys just showed up with their tractors, and they just chained it up, and they just drug it over to a new location. I mean, that's just how it went back then. That's, that's how things were done. And uh, then we were able to build that, that gym structure that we enjoy today. Uh, the other thing that happened is when you see that first structure, the sloped roof structure that was there, when that was originally built... It was built in the 70s, and if some of you will remember this, some of you, way before your time. But back in the 70s, there was this new trendy thing called track lighting. And so this, you see the, the roof structure up there, that big swoop. Well, on the inside, there were no beams. It was just a big swoop. And, all, and you could just see all this exposed wood. And the lighting for the room was actually all around that wood in, in like a trough pointing up. And so when you walked in there, it just lit up all the wood on the ceiling of the building, which was very cool. On the other hand, nobody could read their Bibles because it it was too dark in there. And so they actually decided, well, we need lights. Well, there were no beams to hang lights on. So some of our men uh, ordered some beams, and they brought those in, and they took them in through our doors and uh, actually installed three huge beams over a sunken uh, a sunken floor, which I don't know how they did that, but it's almost as high as this ceiling in here. And so some of our guys were up. I don't know if Bill Pickard's in here, but these guys, you know, some of those guys that were in there were up on these beams making all that. That's just the way things were done back in the day. And, uh, and so that happened. Um, we built the, the old gym. And then, so that was, that's up to 1988. In 1993... Uh, that's when I, I came here in 90, became a senior pastor in 1993. So I can give you a, a snapshot of how it was in the early 90s, eyewitness. All right, so here's the way it was. When I first came here, it, it was just a different world back then, right? Some of you remember and some of you have no clue. But when, when I came here, our church did not own a computer. There were computers, we just didn't have one. And I don't think anybody thought that was really necessary. I remember the big step of getting... Some uh, something that you attach like to a typewriter that would help you be able to erase things. Anyway, it was just that that was our first computer, and we kind of went from there. I remember as a youth pastor purchasing this cutting edge technology that you could you had a camera you could actually capture video footage and pull out this cassette and stick it into a player and it would show the footage in real time. It was just amazing. You could just capture it. And do it. I remember when that happened. Uh, we had it in our youth budget to buy this uh, VCR camera. Very cool. And uh, 
and we got that, and, after, and then I was called in. We had commissions that were running everything, committees. We called commissions, running everything back then. And I remember after I bought that, I was called in to one of the, the committees called the Properties Committee, like I, I'd done something wrong. And we also had a youth commission, and they knew all about this purchase, and it was in the budget, so everything was okay. But the Properties Commission called me in, and I'm, so I, I go to their meeting, and I say, what's up? And they say, we heard you bought a VCR camera. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, it's great. They said, well, you didn't clear that with us. And I said, these are great guys, by the way, but I'm like, well, it's in the youth budget that was approved, and then I cleared it with the youth commission, and they said it was okay. So what does the properties commission have anything to do with that? They go, where's the camera right now? And I said, well, it's up in the youth room. And they said, and where's the youth room? I said, well, in our church. And where's the church? And I, I go, what? And they go, it's on our property. So because it's on our property, you have to have permission. You know? And again, these were great guys. It's just that's the way the organization was at one time. Actually, these were the very same guys that hired me like a year before that as a custodian, even though they knew I knew nothing about being a custodian. So these were good guys. But anyway, that's just the way things went back in the day. It was just, just kind of funny how that happened. I remember when, we, when I became a senior pastor, then we started wanting to project words upon the screen so people wouldn't have to sing like this they could sing like this well they didn't have like powerpoint and all this stuff they have now which were beyond powerpoint that's even dating me but back then you know how we had to do that we would actually get um we would actually make a slide for every phrase of the song and if you've ever seen a slide projector, then we had put the, painstakingly put all those slides in order in a carousel, then put the carousel on this projector, and then it'd be like, okay, next slide. <laughs> New image. You know, and that's what we did back then, you know, but it, it all kind of worked out. That was better than the overhead projector, right? Where you're writing it out and, yeah, it's showing up there. Anyway, um, that's how it was back then. So just some ancient history. In 1997, we ended up going to two services, and this kind of that one picture kind of shows the the people all packed in. Uh, this is people. We have everybody seated in there, and that's where the the 45th Street that was part of our auditorium back then. It had a sloped floor, and there was kind of risers in the back, and then people are standing in all the aisles to get everybody in the shot. So that's what's happening. We went to two services. And then in 1999, we changed our name from Grace Brethren to Grace Community. So we thought that would be more effective in reaching people, and that went well. And then in 2002, we took a huge step of faith. Actually started a couple of years before that with, with a giving campaign. But in 2002, we went into our new auditorium. And this was huge for us because you got to remember, back then we were a church of about 600 and something people. And 600 people stepped up to say, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to build a thousand-seat auditorium because we think it will help us reach our community for Christ. So we sacrificed, we made it happen, and then, bam, God blessed us. And we built this, uh, this auditorium that we're still meeting in today. It was around Easter of 2002 when we first came into this building. And then we went back to, to one service when we did that. Then in, uh, uh, in 05, we added a second service in here just three years later. Then in 08, 
we added on everything that's this way from that wall, uh, which was our cafe, our quad. Um, that's what you're seeing there. That's quad and, and some of our music rooms. So that happened in 08, and a lot of you were here for that. In 09, we started, we had always been supportive of missions. We still support missions, and through all this time, we've supported missionaries around the world, Japan, Africa, different places. And, uh, but in 09, we really wanted to, to target orphans, and that's when we uh, built two orphanages in Thailand. We also committed to supporting orphanages through churches in uh, the Central African Republic, which we still do that today. But we get, but the, but our orphanages in Thailand get a little more press because we're more directly involved in all that. We're the the orphans we support in Africa. We're doing that through churches, through church families, kind of way. In 2014, uh, we had the, a, a church came to us and said, "Hey." Uh, you know, we're, we're in danger of closing, and that was in Paulding. And so we relaunched and revitalized Paulding. Right now, you don't hear a lot about Paulding because they're in, we gave them two or three years. We changed strategies after working there for several years. And, uh, and they're kind of seeing if they can go independent. And if they can, if they're strong enough, then we will return their building back to them because they signed all that over to us. And so they're in the middle of trying to make that happen. So we've kind of pulled back from them to see if they could stand in a more healthier way than when we found them. And that seems to be going well. So that's happening. And then in 2016, a lot of you remember this. We built a new student center that's just on the other side of the wall this way. And God really blessed us with that. We were just packed out on Wednesday nights. And this gave us room, very, very much needed and uh, a lot of sacrifices were made to make that happen. Maybe the biggest sacrifice was by our builder, which happened to be the, the Kern family on that project, and just huge sacrifices to make all that happen. Then, in 2017, we launched, uh, relaunched the church in Northwood that we call Grace Point. And so we came in, we, we hired a former pastor that was here at Grace, uh, Harold, and then that's their pre-launch meeting and uh, they took over that, and, and they're thriving now, doing well. And, and so that kind of brings us about till today. And, and I, I got to tell you, I'm amazed when I just look back and think at everything that God has done for grace. Huge steps. You know, first building, then building on Collingwood, then finishing that, then buying this property, building that, and then adding on, and and this auditorium, and just all these steps where it's just been huge. And, and I just want to say this. If you were here during the stuff that I'm talking about, and you've been giving or serving during this time, I just want to thank you for your faithfulness in not only receiving the gospel, but also in standing in the gospel and delivering it to others to make that a concern because all these building projects they were never really about us they were about the people that we thought we had come that, that would come after we built it so when we built things it was always for the next generation for the future people who will be here and, and that's some of you I mean this building was built at a time uh, when there was not that many of us and so I'm just amazed what God's done I remember when we built this building, um, it was at a time where there's just a gravel floor. 
and we hadn't put in any of this yet, but some of the walls were up in the structure, and there's actually a cinder block wall here under these um, screens, and there was a big hole where the screen was, and Zach and I, Zach was in seventh grade when this happened, Zach and I sat on the edge of this thing with our feet dangling down, looking at this gravel pit uh, that would be our auditorium, talking about what God has done and what God will continue to do uh, here at Grace, and just dreaming and, and here now we're, we're kind of turning a new chapter. So it's just been amazing to me to see what God has done. And um, grace is something special. You just got to know that it's unusual for a church of our size to exist in a community of our size. That this is just something that, that's special, that God has done. It's a gift. It's a miracle. It's something God's done and, uh, and we appreciate it, but, I, but I'm not, it's not escaping me that God has used many of you to make that happen. And I just want to say thank you. We preach the same message that we've been preaching for 80 years. Styles have changed. I used to wear a suit every Sunday where people, when they didn't see me in a suit, that was unusual. Now if somebody sees me in a suit, they don't even know who I am. Just a couple months ago, there was a funeral or something, and I walked by some ladies, and, they, they, and I'm talking to them, and, and they're not really responding right. And then later, we didn't, even, we didn't recognize you. We know who you were. So things have changed. Uh, but the message has not changed. We preached the same gospel that was preached in 1939, that the pastors before me preached, that it's the same gospel. Yeah. And I know that's dear to your heart. Here's what Paul says to the Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. And, and my question is, how about you? Just by hearing that applause, it's, it's how about you? Are you committed to the gospel? Nothing bums me out more than over the years hearing people who have moved away, they left or this or that, and then to find out that they're not attending church. It just breaks my heart. Or they're attending a church that doesn't preach the gospel. That bums me out. Doesn't happen often, but it happens. And the question is, are you committed to, especially young people, are you committed to the gospel that in the next 30, 50, maybe even 80 years, will you still be standing on the gospel? Same gospel Paul preached. Same gospel the pastors before me preached. Same gospel we preach today. Will you stand on that gospel? Because it's everything. That's what he's saying. It's, it's of first importance. That's the next point. And uh, I'm, I'm thoroughly thankful that you've been faithful to keep the gospel first in importance. And that brings us to our current efforts. We don't just want to be a church. We want to be a church that reaches and impacts our community. We want to be a church that sees people come to Christ. We want to be a church that people grow in their faith, that they're disciples, that they want to be involved in making other disciples 
That's what we're trying to do. So all of the programs we do, they come and go because we're constantly trying to evaluate, hey, is this really impacting our community or not? Is this really helping us win people to Christ or is this really helping us grow people in Christ? Because if it's not doing either one of those things, then we're using all of our volunteers and and spending money on something that's not important because the gospel is first in importance. And so we keep changing those things. And we'll continue to do that. But now, in 2019, we're taking one of the biggest steps, maybe the biggest step we've ever taken. At least one of the biggest steps we've ever taken. Where we went to Tiffin, we realized this is a community that needs the gospel. And not that we're the only church in town that preaches the gospel. I don't mean that. But this is a community that needs what we have to offer. And so we purchased land. We, with an industrial building, we refurbished that building. I was actually over there for a while working yesterday afternoon. And I think we had a, a lot, we've been having tons of volunteers over there. And I think some people were there in the morning. But I was in the afternoon when I got there, nobody was there. And I was trying to hang some boards and they were kind of tall. And I was going to use the big blue lift with several lifts in there. But the one where I was working, the, and I couldn't figure out how to run the thing. It was embarrassing. And then actually, uh, Greg Fox came in, because he's there all the time, and I, I didn't know if he noticed this or not, but I'm on the lift. Well, then I'm climbing up the rail of the lift to use the lift as a ladder, which is not the way the lift is supposed to work, but was serving the purpose a little bit. So if anybody saw me doing that, yeah, I'm not crazy. I just didn't know how to work it, you know. But we've, we've had a ton of volunteers over there making that happen, and... Uh, it's, it's huge. Next Sunday, uh, a lot of our people are going to head over to Tiffin when we call you our launch team. And so right now, I would like everyone, if you're heading to Tiffin, if you're going to be a part of the Tiffin campus, I want you to stand right now. Stand up. Just, and, and stay standing for a minute because you're our heroes in this story right now, okay? Stand, okay, here... AJ is on staff. He, he's youth pastor at, at our campus. Doing a tr- he's been working night and day, doing a tremendous job. Over there, we have Blaine. Wave Blaine. Blaine and Livy joined our team. He's going to lead our worship. Here's Zach, campus pastor, uh, leading everything. And, and all of you guys, we are excited. You guys... I am convinced God is going to use you guys. I believe that 80 years from now, people in Tiffin will be talking about 2019. And you are the launch team that God has assembled to make an impact on Tiffin and Seneca Seneca County and beyond. And I believe we'll always be looking back to this point that it's pivotal in our church history, and I want to thank every one of you, because I know this is hard. It's hard to stop going to your church, go somewhere else. You're still part of us. We're still part of our family, but it's, you know, there's friendships and all this, and, you know, I know there's issues. It's a sacrifice. I want us to all show our appreciation for you heading out to launch our campus in Tiffin. Thank you. Thank you very much. But it's not. So we start soft launch next week. 
That means it's just our people and we're not telling the community yet, although words like spreading like wildfire in Tiffin. It's getting a lot of buzz in Tiffin. So it's two Sundays, mainly just our people, that we're not going public to make sure we work out all the bugs so all the new people that come in, that we'll serve them well. So that's the first two Sundays. And then the 29th is our grand opening, our public launch. It's huge. And so we're going to put that out there and make that happen. And we believe that we're going to have an incredible response from the community. Now, typically what happens is that first day that you launch, you have a huge crowd, and then you'll have a little bit less of a crowd the next Sunday, which is okay. We're kind of expecting that. But we think that, the, that God is really going to use Tiffin Campus, and we think it's going to grow more than any other of our other campuses, and it's just going to be huge. But the 29th is not just huge for Tiffin. It's huge for all three of our campuses. For Fremont, next week we're going to two services, so all our service times are changing, so you need to tune into that. And then on the 29th, we're sending out a mass mailing in all three communities, Tiffin, Fremont, Northwood. It'll go to, you know, tens of thousands, maybe 100,000 people. And then there's a certain, a very small percentage of that we believe people will show up in your church. But we're doing that. And so that's a huge deal for us. And we're starting a new series called Why Believe. And we feel like it's the best time to invite people is the beginning of this series. That's September 29th. That's three weeks from today. And we're, we're spending our money, our money, for this mailing to try to get these, this launch, to try to reach new people and new people in all three communities. But way better than a mailing is inviting somebody personally. Way, way better than a mailing. A hundred times better than a mailing. Literally a hundred times better. Is inviting somebody. And so we need everybody to be involved in that. We'll be talking about that a little bit. So that's what's coming up. Again, super, super excited about what God is doing right now impacting our church. We mentioned before we have the grace signs. And so uh, we did those once before. We're doing them again. So you may have one in your garage. How many of you have one in your garage, but the stand is broken? Okay, I have like three in my garage, and the three stands broke. You could, we got beefier stands, the mega stands, the real tough stands. So if you want, you could just grab a stand. But uh, we want everybody to display. This is key for us, at least through the next month or two. Um, so people kind of recognize this brand identity that they'll get this is all together. So love you to do that. Let's stand together and we'll close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, thanks for your faithfulness. And Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of, of everybody here who has helped us by giving, by serving, Lord, to accomplish everything that you've set out for us to do. Lord, you passed the baton to us. And, and it seems a little crazy to us that you pass the job to us to share your message that you do the work but but we have this key part in it and God we thank you for that it gives our lives meaning and purpose Lord help us to be faithful in that Lord thank you for every single person standing here Lord help us to all embrace the gospel and follow you closely and we thank you for your greatest gift Jesus and father today we thank you for the food Uh, that we're going to eat a little bit later. Lord, thank you for our church family and the time we can share food together. In Christ's name we pray.